Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Jewish Drinking, the show, the podcast, the video. And today we are, just like last week, discussing the incident of Lo and his daughters, and they're getting drunk. It is the second time we've ever seen in the book of Genesis of people drinking and also getting drunk. And today we have with us Rabbi Aaron London, who is currently the Jofa UK Scholar in Residence. Uh, she graduated from Yeshiva Mahara in 2017 and previously served as a chaplain of New York Presbyterian Hospital. Did I get that right? Also correct. Awesome. All right. And uh, today we have her on. I'm super stoked also because I'm hopefully this is the beginning of many more women scholars coming onto the show. And uh, I'm super stoked, especially since this incident actually includes women in it. And uh, so this is particularly pertinent. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, interesting looking at some things while I was trying to prepare for this. Uh, and I was reading around and where where women even come in, you know, how much play did the daughters of Lot have in this? And were they really aware? And are they good? Are they bad? Are they somewhere in between? Yeah, that's great. So before we get our conversation kicked off about the biblical text, Aaron, Rabbi London, what are you drinking right now? Um, orange, carrot, and ginger juice. Oh, wow. All right. I mm -hmm. thought you were going to say something like tea because you're over there in England. Yeah, I haven't bought into the tea. I, I, or if I drink tea, it's not with milk. I know it's an abomination and I should be utterly embarrassed. But talk to me in about a year from now and maybe I'll uh, start drinking tea and proper tea with milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it'll be tea time. You'll be all ready to go. Oh, and tea time I, I'm used to. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. So for me, even though you're over there, it's your afternoon in England. I am in the morning, so I'm just caffeinated with my uh, my coffee. So we'll love to be drinking a different time of day, but coffee it is. Enjoy, enjoy your coffee. May it bring lots of energy. Thank you. I'm hoping the same. Awesome. Okay, so Rabbi London, do you have? Um, do you want to kick us off? Do you want to introduce? Do you want me to introduce? And I'm super curious of where you see the daughters fitting in, whether it's the moral valence, their agency, their lack of names, anything. Um, wow. Oh, so many options. Um, <laughs> so that's what we do here at JewishDrinking.com. We have options. I know. It's great. I mean, there's many options. And I guess that goes into directly with the daughters and their father who... Mm -hmm. The father didn't seem to have options. He didn't know what was going on, or so they say, uh, or so the Torah says, but maybe he did, maybe he didn't, uh, which while I was reading, I was really thinking about this idea of consent, um, and I think that, and I'm not really sure what to do with all of this yet, but thinking how, how often when we're talking about consent, we're, we're really, a lot of times in the public sphere, we're talking about women's consent, in sexual acts, and I think here really opens up the space of men having consent as well. Um, so, I don't know, I think it's an interesting jumping off point. Right, and I think not only that, but nowadays and probably throughout time, most of it has been men's sexual access to women through the use of alcohol or other drugs in order to rape them without their consent. But here it's the inverse of that. It's been flipped that it's the women who, without the men's knowledge, is like they're taking and and like really thinking ahead about it right it's premeditated that this is what they're going to do this is how they're going to do it and they accomplished what they set out to do 
Right. And and men's sexual assault does happen even in today's day and age. Yeah. Um, so this is a really, I think, an important area that communities, shuls, people should bring into light in light of the story. Yeah. It really leads to it. So being aware okay. of, of consent. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Right. So something that I mentioned, I know you, I just posted the video and you haven't had time to check out last week's video right. when we're recording this is one thing that really fascinates me is the, is the knowledge aspect, right? So, and, and I can't help but think about this incident without thinking about the Noah incident. Mm -hmm. And there, Noah wakes up from his wine and he knows what his younger son had done to him or youngest son had done to him. But here, and he has both a younger daughter and an older daughter, he doesn't know. Like he, it, in both, uh, both times it talks about him, like what happens, he has no idea. And so this is such a fascinating contrast to the Noah story where he wakes up and knows, and here he's totally not knowledgeable. Yeah, and, only, I, and I think that the rabbis are troubled by that, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, I feel like it was Rashi and a lot of other rabbis were, were saying that, you know, there's a letter missing. And then so he did know from the younger daughter, he knew at the finishing of the of the older daughter and he let the younger daughter still do this. Um, and so maybe there was knowledge or maybe it's the rabbis want there to be knowledge because because this act is so great that how could there not have been any any form of knowledge? Um yeah, it could be that the rabbis were bothered by, like, really? You wake up in the morning and, like, sure, you've got a hangover, but nothing's different? Like, I think that's what they're bothered. Like, even for him, he must have known something was different. Right. Well, I'm sure the daughters must have been acting differently. I can't imagine that they didn't. <laughs> Next morning. <laughs> Kind of awkward. <laughs> we need to right? go out like that's her, a weird, but... weird situation to just you know, just everything's as usual, even though we did this weird thing. Um, you no, know, he wakes up. He wakes up. He's like, oh man, I don't even remember what happened last night. You know, like what what happened? We're like, oh, <laughs> like you just fell asleep. And we gave you some wine. All's good. Right. Uh, yeah, I was also reading that the you know the wine they didn't bring with them and it just miraculously appeared in the cave well we don't know that like they could have i mean they obviously fled with it sounds like they probably fled with some provisions that didn't i don't think the text says that they left without anything no it wasn't the it was a who was i feel like it's rashi or abena bachaye i was reading yeah. up on this and they it's a midrash that they didn't bring anything and the wine was just there because God wanted them to have, you know, this is how the continued generation. So then it's, it also brings in this weird thing of like, oh, this drinking and sexual act that we all think is wrong was actually sanctioned by God. Oh, that's an interesting use of that commentary. Interesting. Yeah, which I, I, I don't really know how I feel about that yet. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you could take it that direction of saying like, oh, they didn't bring anything with them. They were just such a rush, such a hurry that they just left empty-handed. Or you could say, no, 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 they like they brought along their stuff, and like obviously they need food, but you can't live without wine. 
right? You need that. <laughs> you gotta we're, drink we're, something. We're running, we're running away for our lives. We're fleeing, but we gotta bring wine. Well, the wines probably will last longer than water. Yeah, yeah, like the the alcohol content would kill off any bacteria, while water laying stagnant for so long would probably give them some horrible disease. Right. right. So wine it's, makes more well, sense. You could find water in the wild, but you're not just going to find wine just waiting around for you. No, well, you won't, especially if you're hiding in a cave. Right. Can't right. unless you get a magical vine. We need those. Need those yeah. magical vines. I mean, listen, yeah. if Rashbi can get a magical carob tree, they could get a magical vine. It's totally true. It's totally true. Uh, different direction. Yeah. We have a take on the lack of names of the daughters. Like, Lo, we keep saying his name, but here it's like the older daughter, the younger daughter. Any thoughts on that? Women tend not to have names. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an unfortunate existence. Um, where a lot of, there are many women throughout Tanakh who are just known uh, as the daughter of, or the wife of, and their, their own personal identity is not as important to the story. Um, a lot of times there are, they do have names in, um, a lot of Midrashim, right? They'll get names, like Noach's wife, um, has a name. Even though throughout the Parsha, she's just known as Noah's wife. Uh, her name's Naama, according according to most people. Uh, I didn't look up if the these daughters have names. I have a really great book um, on women in Tanakh uh, and and Chazal and where they come oh. up in Chazal. So, oh, cool. yeah, it's one of the greatest books I got. I got it at, like Steimetsky's or something like that, years and yeah. years ago. What? Do you know the name of the book? Yeah, it is Nashim Batanach Ve'Afaxloria Chazal. Aha, cool. I use this book for a lot of things. So I, th I, I think that's part of it is where are women's names in Tanakh in general and what's the woman's place and how often are they actually having their own story? just really struck me when I was looking through it of identifying them, the older, the younger, and we don't have their names. And, and it's so funny because oftentimes we don't necessarily see sexual agency carried out through women, but here it's like, okay, they have identities. They have like really clear identities, like they're taking action, and yet they remain nameless, which is just so striking. And not only that, I think what's even more striking is this, this little piece doesn't shy away from names. It actually shows you the creation of two named nations. Like, so names are important here, and right. yet they remain nameless. They do the naming, but they don't get named. Yeah, I guess for me, so, that's something that's similar. So you have, uh, or happens often, you have Eshet Manoach, who has um, Shimshon, right? Like, so her, he gets a name. She yeah. is, you know, the wife of. So I found the page on Lot. They don't seem to have any names yet by anyone. Also, they're, they're making a point that there were other ones that died. That uh, Lot actually had four daughters. Wow. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And two were married with uh, to men in Stone, and two were engaged, which were these two. Huh. Wow. 
I mean, even though this doesn't have to do directly with this episode of the drinking, but if you go back, it's really fascinating when the met, when the townspeople of Saddam come knocking on the door and they say, we want these, the angels. And he says, well, whoa, whoa, wait, I got two virgin daughters. You sure you don't want them? They're going to be better. And they're like, nope, we want your angels. And so it's really, and then I can't help but think about this incident. I mean, the, the stone incident without thinking about yeah. the Pile Begiva in Judges of like. Oh, yeah, nope. definitely. And it's the inverse where they actually do put out you know the the woman the basically the girlfriend of this this late levite and uh and then you know she doesn't make it to the morning so here <clears throat> here it's like okay i'm gonna mm -hmm. like i'll even offer you my virgin daughters and then they still remain virgins even up until the cave which is fascinating yeah and it, i mean it also comes into the conversation of what's the worth of a woman in society and or what's the worth of humankind in society right that it, it even seems that the townspeople of Sodom didn't care about any type of human, regardless of their gender, um, and how heartbreaking it is that, you know, they just want what they want when they want it, and doesn't matter who's getting hurt along the way. Uh, yeah. And then even more so when we get into, I would say, women and other vulnerable people here in this story, or Pilagash Begiva, which is like, all right, well, we want to just make you quiet, so we'll throw them out, and... Pray for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, which is pretty sad. Even though, even though I um, is it's just the the repetition of the yain of the wine being used in the story of uh, just sort of like the the intentionality behind it, and again this contrasts with the Noah story where it's not really even clear that he's intentionally gonna get drunk. He may not like. Maybe people have never ever consumed wine before, and no one has any idea what the effects of wine are on people, right? Mm -hmm. It just sort of happens. Here, yeah. there's no question. Like there is a there's a declaration of like, here's our plan. Our we're gonna get our father wine. He's gonna get drunk, and we're gonna leave with him. Yeah. And then it and then it happens. So there's wine appears four times in here. Like here's what we're gonna do. The older daughter does it. The older daughter speaks to her sister, like, let's do this again. And then the older, the younger sister does it. So, like, it's a clear, it's, like, nicely structured. You have four uses, and they, they accomplished what they set out to do. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And, and, and it was full of intent. They definitely knew what they were doing. They knew what they want to be doing. Um, yeah, I think about, I think about Nach and, and wanting, you know, it is that interesting question of, did he know what the effects were going to be of drinking wine? Um, and I know that there's a lot of writing about, well, maybe he knew and this was a way to just stop feeling. Um, right, like, I think about Noach as a, an extremely traumatic event of, he just watched the entire world get destroyed and is then supposed to just live as if everything's normal. Yeah. He, if he does know that wine is a numbing agent, I can, of course, it makes sense that he wants a numbing agent in his body as, as much as he possibly can take. If he doesn't yeah. know and he just, you know, experiments a bit because this thing tastes good and then finds out that it knocks himself out, so then he still has this numbing agent, you know, it would make sense that he would continue to do so afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so maybe there is potential and intent 
maybe not at the very beginning of Noach, but of his drinking. Mm. Um, but, yeah. but eventually. Uh, and here, mm. it seems like that information of the knocking outness of wine was passed down and just was general knowledge. Right, it could be for, for Noah. It's not clear, but for the but for the two daughters of Lot, they know. Oh, they totally know. They to and they even know how much to give him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like so it's not that he, he passed the point of being sick and he just passed out. <laughs> right. So clearly things have changed from between Noah's time and Lot's time. There's a yeah. change people know. People know people know how to get drunk. Right. This is for uh, sure. So I'm going to ask you, because, and this is something I probably should have, should have researched, but I'm just going to outsource it to you. Right. The women, not only not only women drinking, but giving drink of wine to other people. Do you know other instances in, in the Bible and Tanakh where that might occur? Do, 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 do. Like, uh, I know. Esther. Esther. Esther, because she had the Mishta, the party with Haman and Ahasuerus. So may, I don't think it actually explicitly said wine. Right, she had two parties. Um, yeah. But it was a Beit HaMishta, so I'm assuming there was some form of alcoholic beverage, but maybe not. Well, there was wine. They talk about yeah. wine. Um, uh, it's funny because there are eight or, depend, depending on how you count, eight or nine different instances of a Mishta occurring okay. in uh, the book of Esther, and uh it's definitely clear that wine is happening in those those mis those um drinking incidents yeah so oh, esther yeah, definitely right. um yeah, sure. i'm trying to think about anyone else that might have because uh, I, I know i know where women popping up giving drink to other people occurs is like the other stories in the book of genesis where they're giving mm -hmm. water whether it's to animals or to other people, but I'm trying to think about giving drink of wine, not oh, water to us. Well, Yael. Oh, it's milk. Right? Well, it's milk, but there, I feel like there's some commentaries that say that it was like milk laced with something or that she was just performing lots of sexual acts on him until he passed out. Um, really? Is that yeah, the Gemara is very, I think it's the Gemara. It's wow. explicit. Yeah, I was teaching that Parsha in camp, and we're putting, we, no, what was I doing? I was reading something. I was doing research on it. Yeah, no, it's very, it's a relatively explicit. Uh, uh, we might have to stay in touch. That could be a totally awesome another episode. Okay, all right. Um, I'll uh, re-find my, where I found that, found that. But yeah, it seems like uh, that was one of the, the rabbi's thinkings. <laughs> wow. That's really awesome. All right, yeah. I'll have to look at that too, but that'd be awesome to have you on to talk about that. Okay. Okay. I can talk about if, that if too. You're still up for it after this episode. All know. right. Well we'll talk about what happens after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um I'm trying to think about other women with drinks. Um not uh there's no one else that comes to mind off the top of my head. Okay. So I would say Esther, maybe Yael, possibly, but not yeah. definitely not in the Peshat. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good trivia question of like when else do we see women giving drink and certainly of the wine variety? It's a good question. Right. I mean, in the Gemara, they they do talk about 
you know, women serving wine and, you know, mothers holding extra cups of wine so yeah. that you don't, so the rabbis don't drink two cups at, the, at one, you know, even numbers. So they had their mom standing there with a extra, so they would have odd numbers. Wow. Yeah. 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 And that with uh, all the weird demon, but cool yeah. demon stuff. But yeah, their moms are just standing there with an extra drink for them. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but I guess we're, I mean, if the women were not, or at least not in our text, luring men along with wine parties. Yeah. All right, it's a good, I'm, I'm now curious. It's just like occurred to me, but I'm like, I'm curious, when else do we see this? It's like a drinking agency of women, right, to other right. people. Well, and it was also, I mean, even if we're taking the daughters of Lod and we're taking Esther, there was a purpose in getting the guys drunk. Yeah. It was a, it was a way of loosening, either totally knocking them out or loosening them up in order to use power um, yeah. and get, uh, or actually yeah, to heard. Yeah, to get what they want. Yeah, that it's an interesting take on is that the only way that they were able to use their power is that the way that power was being done right uh, uh Ahasuerus was having parties and even nowadays if you look at a lot of business culture that's one of the the issues of that gets spoken about a lot with women and, and business is so much happens in the after after hours where yeah. the guys are going to go drink in you know they're having guys time um, but yeah. the women employees aren't aren't invited. At, but a lot of business happens in those spaces. So yeah. is the bar, is the drinking place, the place where business is happening? And this, by being willing to partake in that, so like Esther, then she's able to get what she wants, be part of the business. And it's not something, I guess, nefarious of trying to get what she wants in the negative way, but rather, no, she wants to be heard. So she has to act like the guys. Right. Which is a very it's, different read on the story that I've never thought about until right now. So it is a very different read. I don't know if it's necessarily trying to be one of the guys, but I, I'm really deeply fascinated by you, what you were talking about—the business culture of using not not alcohol, not just as like a social lubricant, but even as a trying to accomplish something like a medium of of trying to get something done. Whether that's business, whether that's you know having children with your father, or you know trying to get some political power move going on in Esther, like it's, it's a, it really is. It's like a medium to, to use to accomplish what you want to get out of it. Right. Well, I for, think also people for are, and for women. yeah, for both. I think that people are more relaxed or calm and it's not only about the alcohol content, but it's also about the space. Yeah. It's very different to have a conversation sitting in a bar than it is to have it in someone's office where there's you know, definitely that hierarchical situation versus if you're sitting at a bar, you're both just sitting there together. So there's more equality. And then there's also the alcohol that is taking place um, and helping with that. It's a, it, no, it's an interesting Varsha. It's an interesting section that has a lot that we can be talking about, I think, in today's day and age. Again, what does that mean about drinking and what does that mean about consent and, um, and also, again, what, where's the place of these women who have no names who change the course of a lot of people? <laughs> yeah. Um, multiple nations, including the Jewish nation. Like, so it's 
uh, yeah. great place. Yeah, that's really neat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to pitch? You want to share any writings? Anything you got going on? Uh, my upcoming. I have an upcoming three-part class starting next Wednesday uh, okay. at the Jewish Vegeta Vegetarian Society oh, in really? Golders Green. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's a space. Not well. They also do, I think, vegetarian outreach. But we're uh, Jofa is using the space. Um, it's going to be my first class is on uh, death anxiety in the Talmud. And then a class on Bikr Cholim and a class on Nichum Avelim. Uh, okay. So how to do those things because we don't talk about uh, how to comfort or be present for others very much, but we still expect many people in our communities to do those things. Mm. Uh, so opening that conversation. And then next month I'll be at Limud UK uh, teaching also about Bikr Cholim and teaching about learning Torah of the world and interdenominational uh, interactions and relationships. Not like intimate relationships, but kind of, hey, can we have a different type of minion take place in our shul when we're X denomination and they're Y denomination? Thank you very much for having me here. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I'll finish off with L'chaim. L'chaim. <laughs> Awesome. Cool. All right.